Hey, it's Jason Cunningham and welcome back to Save My Business, the podcast dedicated to helping small and medium-sized business owners navigate through the proverbial shitstorm. Today's guest is arguably this country's number one financial advisor, my business partner, and a very good friend of mine, and his name is Matt Morrison. G'day, Matt. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jase. Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. Uh, you're more than welcome, Matt, but I'm going to put you under the grill. Sure. <laughs> but, but before I do that, I, 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 look, I, I just want to put some context around today's conversation. I know uh, the, the title of the podcast is Save My Business. Now, you're a business owner. Yes. Uh, we're in yep. business together. Yeah. Uh, and we, we're going to get to that. But well, I also want to talk about your take on the market. Yes. Um, and just give you a little bit of pre-warning, but not too much. <laughs> um, you know, the impact of, that COVID's had on the market, where it's yeah. going. And look, a lot of people don't know this, but you're my advisor and yes. have been for the last dozen years. And yeah. through that, throughout that time, I've been on SCN as the money guy and uh, Triple M and, mm. and also the living room. And what a lot of people don't know is you're the one feeding me all the information. <laughs> which is, well, it's very much a team effort, Jay, yeah. so over the years. Yeah, you do the work and I talk about it. <laughs> uh, but look, what a lot of people don't know, Matt, is that you're an author in your own right. I want to talk about that. Yes. Um, but I want to wind the clock back mm. to the early years, if I can, Mr. Morrison. And sure. People that yeah, know you today know you as a clean cut, a professional, a gentleman. You're quite intelligent. You're astute. You're level-headed. But as a young kid, um, your life wasn't that way. Do you want to share with me how you went through high school and how many schools you attended and all that sort of stuff? Well, I, I attended a, a few, um, but yeah, it was very much a, a, a journey over the course of time. So uh, way back when to, to, to primary school, started out uh, way out in the burbs out at South Warrandyte Primary. Yeah. Uh, it was a very much almost like a, a not, not so much country, but a, a, almost like a, um, a, a country upbringing from, from that side of things. And I also remember out the back of our place when we lived in, in North Ringwood there, we, we lived off the, the back of a pretty much a 100-acre forest. Oh, wow. That my, myself and my older brother, yeah. um, two years old, older than me, we had the runoff, basically. So it was a fantastic upbringing. That basically, just jump over the, the back creek at the back of our yeah. backyard, and all of a sudden, we're you know, running around as wild horses and we go camping and do whatever we want there. So it was an absolutely fantastic upbringing. Yep. Um, and then I, then I moved into a, to a private secondary school with... Um, you know, arguably a, a few too many rules for myself and my older brother and, and our, our general group of friends. And we didn't really respond too well to the, the strictness of, of the school. Um, so, you know, when it, when it came time, about three days into year 11, my, myself and, and three of my best friends were, were actually, uh, in not so many words, asked to leave the school. Yeah. And uh, that, that was in, interesting, in, interesting time in my life. But I also, I, I went to, a, to another school where I just knew one person. Oh, wow. And it was, a, it was a very challenging transition. Mm -hmm. I, I went to a school where, where my best friend happened to, to be there after moving a couple of years earlier. Yep. And, that, and that, looking back, was a, a really big learning curve of my life as well, really the, the first time where I had to be 100% flexible and, and resilient and, and think of my feet in a, a brand new environment like that. Yeah. Because you're 11, what are you, 16 or 17, the formative years, and it's about being popular, meeting friends and getting to know people. Um, so it's, it's a challenging time. Uh, absolutely, it was quite intimidating. I was 15 at the time. I was, I was, the, I was the second youngest in, in my year. Uh -huh. So I went in there, I was 15, about to turn 16 in the April of year 11. Yeah. 
and uh, so I was the, the second youngest, but, but also I found that quite intimidating at, at, that, at that time where, as you say, everyone's very cemented in their friendships. Yeah, of course. And, but looking back, I've always looked at, at that time as, as possibly the, the best learning curve of my entire life. It's, it's, it's often said, Matt, um, it's through adversity where our greatest learning mm. comes. And at the time, we don't think it's a great learning experience. Mm. And in actual fact, we wish we were back at the other high school before we... <laughs> yeah, you, with all those rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're the only bloke, you're the nicest bloke I know, Morrison, to be honest with you. And, and this is the way... I would have said, look, I got my ass kicked out of school. But you mentioned that four of you were moved on to greater places. <laughs> um, so, look, there's a lot of... A lot of people that we know mutually, not many of them know that story that you were kicked out in year 11. Mm. Um, I forgot I even told you, quite frankly, yeah. but yeah, thanks for bringing it up. It was, a, it was a, at one of our business planning retreats where we do all that work. Yes. Uh, where you might have been one or two beers and red wines in, Matt, where uh, yeah. we gleaned A couple that. hours past midnight, yeah. possibly. Um, so, he, so you obviously went through school, did all right, went to university. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm also intrigued... Um, and would like you to share the story about you overseas in London and, and the accident that you had. Mm. Yeah, of course, and, and I think that was the the second, the next big learning stage uh -huh. of my, my life. Where at the moment it was it was absolutely terrible in in the moment, but looking back, it was a, a great learning time. Yeah. Um, but just to share the story briefly, my, my wife and I moved to London. Were you, you weren't married at the time though? No, we were engaged. Yeah. So we'd only been together for, for about two years at that point. We thought, yeah. you know what, we're going to move to London uh, to have that as a, a base and, and travel before we come back to Australia and eventually settle down and, and have kids. Yeah. So this was, it was uh, mid-2007 that we moved over there. Mm -hmm. and, and about six months into our UK trip, I had a massive car accident in Oxford. Yeah. Um, my wife and I, my, my wife had gone away to, to, to Paris to do a, do a course, a language course, and I thought I'd just take off to Oxford for the weekend. I think that's code for buying handbags. Yeah, possibly, <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Um, and I, I hired a, a little car from Thrifty or whoever it was yeah. at, at that time and, and took off to Oxford. Yeah. And I still vividly remember on Sunday morning driving around in, in Oxford. It was it was cold. It was icy. Yeah. And um, you know, before before I knew it, my, my car actually slid off the road and went headfirst into a tree. And yeah. my, my legs were absolutely shattered. Yeah. Um, on, on top of a, a compound fracture, my, my right leg basically disintegrated in, into about 23 different pieces. And wow. um, I'm, I don't think I've shared with all the details about this, but no, the, I'm wincing. they had to cut me out of the car and an air left me to the, to the local hospital for, for a while. They, they weren't sure whether I was actually gonna make it. Wow, man. Um, and I ended up having three blood transfusions, be, being in hospital laying on my back for, for about five weeks, seven or eight operations. And I, I couldn't work for 12 months. And, and during that 12 months, I, I spent six months in a wheelchair while I learned how to walk again from scratch. Oh. Um, all while being halfway around the world where, where the only person there was, was my wife and she was an absolute rock. Yeah. And I, she really helped me get through emotionally yeah. so I could focus on getting better physically. Yeah, she, she is a great person, Rebel. She's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. Um, thanks for that story. Um, you came back to Australia mm. uh, and found your way through various different. You found your way into the practice. That's right. Yeah, yeah about a month after I, I returned to Australia, actually. Mm. Yeah, and uh, we were very fortunate to pick you up, and then along the journey, and uh, we had some conversations, and you became a partner of our firm. Yes, and a, a director, a fellow shareholder. Coming up to 10 years now. Yeah, you? okay. Yes, that's uh, surprised you made it that long. <laughs> I mean, from your end, not ours. Um, yeah, so um, 
I, I still remember the, you know, the, the first time we met each other, we we're, were saying how much, you know, it was scary how much you and I actually have in common. And yeah. I, I think that's one of the reasons why our relationship has worked so well mm. over the, the 12 years, mm. because we, we have you know, shared a lot in common. We have. Don't always see the, the, the world the same way, but we share a lot of the yeah. principles and, and, uh, and values. And uh, yeah, and absolutely, I, I concur with that. And there's nothing wrong with seeing the world differently, mm. I think. I think it's important. And one of the, one of the guiding principles that we, um, that we enjoy here at work is that we celebrate the diversity that exists mm. among us and, and we, we actually celebrate that. And the fact that you and I and everyone here sees the world differently is a good thing, yes. not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Matt, um, there's a few more personal stories that we'll talk to, but you've seen your fair share of, um, as the head of uh, wealth management and our head advisor and, and, and the lead in that space, you, uh, you're pretty meticulous with the way you attack your advice and mm. what you give to clients. Mm. And this is not necessarily a, an advertorial for the practice yeah, per se, but more to get to know you and but ask you some pretty rapid fire questions if sure. I can. You've seen a couple of market crashes. Uh, and uh, yeah. you know, in March of 2020, that was some fun times for you and for our mm. whole wealth team. Mm. How, how do you remain <laughs> level-headed in that space when the, you know, the world is flying? I, Correct me if I'm wrong, and I love rolling out a stat. They're not necessarily always accurate. <laughs> but I reckon this Aussie market come off about 35%. Am I close? Yeah, 35, 36. Yeah. Yep. So yep. it's actually 36, but you were gentle with the 35. <laughs> so I reckon 35 is a good no, effort. No, it depends on the day. Um, yeah. Because, you know, what we saw just wild swings um, 12 months ago, and it was really even more violent swings than, than the GFC, which, which you and I went through mm. you know, 12, 13 years ago, yeah. thereabouts. Um, but yeah, it was just a enormous volatility. But for the for, for the share market to, to drop somewhere between thirty five to thirty eight percent, yeah, uh, in the space of five weeks, yeah, and three of three of the worst days ever were during those those five weeks where the the absolute panic gripped the world, yeah, um, and it was absolute a, absolute panic, and no one knew what was really going on from mm. that perspective, mm. and no one really knew how bad. The whole COVID situation was going to be so yeah. it was absolute panic, and obviously that impacted the share markets initially. Yeah, and then other markets later on. I um, I talk about and I have on this podcast a couple of times about the fact that typically, it's the share market that's the leading indicator for the rest of the economy. Yes. and uh, and we early doors were fielding so many phone calls uh, from our clients saying, "Oh my God, and uh, <laughs> what's happened to my investments? What's mm. happened to my superannuation? <laughs> you know, my retirement nest egg? What's going on? What's going on?" And and it's sort of it sort of spoke to the human behaviour pattern that existed early doors uh, in lockdown and COVID that we were very much, as individuals and as people, we were very much inward focused and what about me and what about my investments and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then we got really uh, selfish again in the supermarkets when we were fighting over baked mm. beans and toilet paper and two-minute mm. noodles. It's terrible. But then we evolved uh, as a race, as mankind. We, we evolved and we started to share the load a lot. And mm. we, I guess... You know, it's typical human behaviour. We panic and we literally shit ourselves and the market did the same thing. And then we, we sort of calmed down. Mm. But you, throughout that whole period, Matt, and, and, and there's a lot of people uh, that worked a lot of hours, but you, you probably worked the most in that first sort of eight-week period. Mm. You have this innate ability to remain level-headed and at peace and calm. What do you put that down to? And that... that that nature that you've got as a person? 
Oh, look, it's a really good question. I, I think, first and foremost, not needing a lot of sleep naturally got me through that time. But <laughs> no, look, I, I've always, ever since I was 17 or 18 years old, yeah. I, I've always focused on learning the psychology of, um, say, call it successful people or, or habits of successful people. And I, I never listened to the radio um, to, and, to and from work. or Were you listening to SCM or run home? When oh, yeah, you? of course, <laughs> on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, but, but always listen to, to podcasts or audio books or, or whatever it might be and I'm always taking in information. But, but also um, just always, always learning, learning from others. But it's, it, it's really not, nothing is ever as good as it seems and nothing is ever as bad as it seems. Right. So I, I guess learning in, in that situation, drawing from previous times where things haven't necessarily gone to plan, mm. whether it be from a market perspective, whether whether outside business perspective, but really focus, okay, what can we actually control? And in that particular moment, I still vividly remember, it was almost 12 months ago now, mm. the, the Monday was, was Labor Day in, in Melbourne. Yeah. And the, the Friday was, the Friday before was just when it started to get really bad. and. Mm. There's this whole COVID thing was actually starting to make the news and, and look like it was quite serious. But, but that Monday, we, we were shut uh, for the Labor Day public holiday. That day, the, the Australian share market fell by 7%. Yeah. And I, I knew, well, this is, this is going to be bad and this is serious. And so the, the next day, I'm, I'm usually an, an early riser, as, as you know. Mm, 4.30. I, I sleep in a bit now to 5 a.m. <laughs> but, but that particular day, the Tuesday, yeah. I said, clients, they need to hear from us straight away. Yeah. And in that particular day, I got up at 3 a.m. Of course it did. And by 8 a.m., every client that I'm the lead advisor for heard from me personally. Yeah, wow. About don't panic, hold fire. Yeah. We, we've already made sure that your your investments are suitable for you, mm. suitable for your time frame. You're not taking too much risk or too little risk. Yeah. And we, we, we heard back and we just continually communicated with our clients, especially throughout those first yeah. several weeks when the, the panic was really um, you know, striking the overall market. But yeah. the other advisors really did the same thing that day. Yeah. So every client that's on an ongoing package and that we manage money for yeah. heard from us within 24 hours after that yeah. um, and got that reassurance that what they're, what they're doing is right for them and no one else. And every single client by one, um, one, one client had to sell part of their portfolio because they needed the money. Yep. But every single other client except for one hung on mm. throughout that whole period of time. And now things have actually bounced back to where they were yeah, like, well, 12 months ago. I know my portfolio's in front. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so quite often it's more just actually staying calm, yeah. focus on the things you can control. Yeah. But, but also like, like any sort of adversity like that is, is be prepared for it before it happens because it's not necessarily a matter of if, but it's, it's when. Yeah, that's and right. be prepared for setbacks. I, I guess that's one of the things I was gonna say, the way you set up the portfolios is, it's a, quite a diverse investment, and I don't, I don't wanna get too deep into no, this, no, right? No, I agree. I don't, but it, you know, <laughs> that if, if one sector, like, you know, for example, the travel sector, you know, they got hit pretty hard, mm. you know? So mm. you're not too deep in that, and so the portfolio is set up right from the start. What I do wanna to talk to you about is your daily habits. Yes. Great. Uh, and I, I find that intriguing. Uh, you're one of the leaders in our organisation. I was going to say arguably, not arguably, without doubt, you're the most level-headed leader we've got in our business. Um, uh, and, um, and we need that yes. at times, yeah. sometimes more often than not. Mm. Um, That's where we compliment each other quite well, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> There's no need to have a crack at me. Um, 
T tell me this, Moro. What, what are the daily habits? You spoke about it earlier, you know, driving in the car on the way to work, you listen to audio books and, and, and podcasts and all that mm. sort of stuff. What are the daily habits that you uh, participate and practice every day mm. that puts you in the right frame of mind and the right state to behave the way that you behave? Yeah, I, absolutely. There's, there's three or four key things yep. that I, I'm quite a structured person. You, you as, don't say. <laughs> But um, you know, I've always been, as I alluded to before, I've always been an, an early riser. Mm -hmm. So I, I really put a, a, a lot of focus on, on daily exercise. Yep. I, I think uh, actually doing daily exercise, whether, whether it be going to the gym, whether it be doing other things, that's so, so linked to, to not only mental health, but, but also the way you actually turn up and deliver at, at work or in a, in a business setting. Really, I do whatever I, I can to be at my best on, on every single day. So it comes down to exercise. So before that, sorry, you get up every morning at? Now I sleep into 5 a.m. 5 a.m. But I, I, for prior, to, prior to this year, virtually every year for the previous decade, I'd, I'd get up at 4 a.m. Yeah, and wow. be at the gym when, um, when I, I used to physically go, go to a gym, go to, go to the gym at 4.30 a.m. Yes. And there'd be the usual suspects there, you know, yeah. three or four people were there every single day. Yeah. And we got to know each other quite well, but yeah, we would always go, go to the gym first, first thing in the morning. Uh -huh. um, when COVID hit and, and gym shut, yeah. uh, I invested the, the time and energy to turn my, my garage into a commercial grade gym. Of course you did, because if you, <laughs> Matt Morrison doesn't do anything in halves, he does them in 1.5s. <laughs> so there's exercise bike, there's rowing machine, there's Smith machine, there's a couple of boxing bags and it's all decked out really, really well. But that, that comes down to as well that in, invest the, the time and money and the energy. If you're mm. going to do something, do it properly. Matt, I'm going to jump in. I, I introduced you to a, a lifelong client of mine who became mm. a client of our wealth advisory uh, business, um, uh, Peter Cook. Mm. And, 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 and how I just want to share this with, um, with our listeners as to the interest in the story. And, and what, how you won Peter Cook over uh, as a client was not through your investment strategy or your holistic approach to diversifying your investments and how to own a property inside a self-managed funnel, any of that shit. What won him over was when you said to him that you train, you get up every morning at 4 a.m. to go to the gym, but today, because you and I played golf that morning, we I did. don't know if you remember, we played, you got up day. at 3 a.m., went to the gym, then went to the golf course. I, and I you did. beat me to the golf course. <laughs> I'll sit in there waiting for you. Let's have a coffee. See, most people would say, okay, I exercise every morning and, and I do this and I get up and go to the gym. And so therefore, I'm playing early morning golf with Jason. I'm going to call that my exercise. Mm. You don't do that. I, I believe in keeping promises to yourself and, and others. Yeah. And what I, what I believe in amongst a whole range of things, one of the, the most critical elements is doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And, that's the definition and, of authenticity, isn't it? That, really? That's right. And integrity. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I vividly remember that that time I committed to going going to the gym 100 days in a row. Yeah, I, right. I was a bit unfit at that stage and wanted to get in in really peak uh, yeah. peak fitness. So 100 days in a row, I had something on that night. Yeah. So if I was going to be authentic to myself, I had to actually get up that that time. Good thing the gym was 24 hours. Yeah. So, but from from getting back to say habits and mm -hmm. and and daily, absolutely, it's exercise. Yeah. But but it's also. I'm really focused now on, on eating well. It's funnily enough, the, the Donna Aston podcast that, that you did a little while ago, I listened to that yeah. and straight away I joined her program. It's been, and this is not an ad for that program, but that's yeah. been absolutely life-changing from that perspective. So it's really focused on exercise, eating well and sleep yeah. and, and take, really take care of your health yeah. and well-being 
And, and the, more, the better we all are and the better, healthier we all are, both mentally and physically, the better we're able to deliver and add value to the world around us, whether it be in business, whether it be at home, whether it be the broader community. If we're constantly running ourselves down and, and on the verge of burnout, which I have been many times over the years working too many hours, yeah. but I, I really find that's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, and over the last year in particular, I've, I've realized just how, how crucial it is to look after ourselves first and that's not selfish, mm. that, that's been really unselfish, um, but, but looking after ourselves first so we're actually able to add more value to the world around us. Well, I guess it's like the analogy when you're on a plane, you know, mm. and you've got a kid sitting next to you, you know, they say, put the face mask on yourself first before exactly. you put on it. I mean, I know a few blokes out there that we look at and smother their kids with a pillow. But <laughs> no, and and the, other, the other habit, Jace, <clears throat> just to add on to that, is, is lifelong learning. As I, as I mm. alluded to before, once again, I. The other daily habit, I'm, I'm always taking in new ideas. Yeah. And and once again, whether it, whether it be audiobooks, whether it be podcasts, whether it, whether it be listening and, and reading. Mm. Um, but uh, I heard many many years ago from from a mentor, Brian Tracy. Never met the great man, but yeah. he's, he's a he's been a great mentor for me um, from afar over, uh -huh. over time. And something st really stuck with me. He said, "You know what? Turn your car into a university on wheels." Yeah. Right never listen to the radio yeah or apart from you know, when you're on there of course but, <laughs> but uh, I, so from a very early age once yeah. again as soon as po podcasts and, and audiobooks mm. were available my, mm. my phone is full of audiobooks mm. so whether i'm in the gym in in the morning um or driving to and from work or driving to and from somewhere else i'm always listening always learning mm. and that's been a great habit that's that's really stood me in good stead I think, uh, I think his name is Charlie Tremendous Jones once said, you'll be the same person you are today in five years' time except for the books you read and the people you meet. Yes. And that was said quite some time ago before audiobooks. Yeah. Yes. Um, but so, okay, so let's go through your daily habits. You're up at 5 a.m. It used to be 4 a.m. You yep. allow yourself, you flirt with the idea of sleeping in till 5. So you're part yes. of the 5 a.m. club. Yep. You uh, regimentally exercise every day. Yes. You fuel your body with the right uh, food. Yes. And uh, you're continuously training your mind. Yeah. So that yeah. puts you in a good frame of mind yes. and a good mental state and a good physical state yeah. to add value to the world around you, whether that be your clients, the team members, the people that look up to you at, at work, which yep. is every single one of us, or whether it's your wife, your friends, and yes. your kids. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. So, Mr. Morrison, Mr. Authenticity, never do something that, you, or never don't do something that you say you're going to do it. So you do that seven days a week. Oh, no, I don't think any, any of us should be disciplined seven days a week. You yeah. need, need to give yourself a, a day off or at least a night off. Uh -huh. So also structure it that, that Friday night, absolutely. I love a red wine. Yes, you do. My, my, <laughs> as, you, as you know. <laughs> um, so every single Friday night, my, my wife and I enjoy a, a nice bottle of red wine. Uh -huh. we, we get takeaway, we have movie night. We, so the kids get to choose whatever we have. So absolutely, you know, it's fish and chips or pizza, Yeah, which I love. No, you love pizza. I remember being away on that director's <laughs> retreat where you ordered about seven pizzas. Well, you know what? You can't be disciplined no, all, no. The, all the time. Yeah. But, um, but, but also, it's, all, it's getting back to you know, similar things like treating yourself along the way. And, mm. and, but but it's, it's also making sure that you allow flexibility in any routine or, yeah. or whatever it might be. Because if we try to be disciplined on everything absolutely 100% of the time, mm. Um, you know, it, it really also reduces the motivation over time. So okay, I just find it works for me. Mm -hmm. and, and also know when I, I don't do that on a regular basis and do it consistently, that's when things aren't, don't go as well or I don't perform as well as I otherwise would. 
Matt, uh, one of the things that I uh, think is a gift of yours is your ability not to listen to outside noise and get distracted. And I, I've, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Xavier Campbell, CEO mm. of the Essendon Footy Club. I've spoken to Cameron Swab and David Schwartz, you know, football identities. And I, I talk yes. about some of the parallels that can be drawn from elite sporting clubs and shared with uh, small and medium-sized business owners. And, and one of the things that elite sporting clubs do really well is they don't listen to the outside noise. Mm. And I see that in you. A lot of people would say, what are you doing getting up at five o'clock in the morning for? Why don't you have a sleep in? Or why don't you have a hamburger every now and then? You, know, you, don't, you, you have the ability, a great knack of not listening to that. Mm. What do you put that down to? That, that having that inner strength not to listen to the outside noise? Look, I've always been a, a journaler. I'm not sure if I've shared that with you, yeah. but, but ever since... I've read your journals. <laughs> sure, the ones <laughs> when you were 15. They're in my fireproof safe. <laughs> Unless you know the code, you wouldn't be able to read them. Uh, but I, I, I put that down to as well. I, I do a lot of thinking on paper. Yeah. And I also, look, I'm naturally an introvert. And so I, I recharge by being alone. Uh-huh. And I recharge by being in, in silence. And so I, I've always relished that, that, that time alone. Once again, whether it be first thing in the morning, whether it be last thing at night, whether it be carve out time on the weekend where I'm actually just by myself. Yeah. And, and quite often I, you know, I, I'm a member at RACV, uh, RACV club. So quite often I, I drive out to Hillsville, mm -hmm. have a swim out there and, and just sit in the, the, the members area there and, and just really recharge or read or, or whatever it yeah, might be. Yeah, there's a good view out there under the golf oh, course. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. good, good thinking view. Yeah. And I, I really put that down to, so that, that time alone to, to think and, and centre myself mm. and also focus on what's, what's truly important. And once again, the things I can control, the things I can't control mm. and knowing how to choose the difference. Yeah. But I, I really put down a, a lot of my, my, my mental state, whatever that, that might be, to the time I actually spend by myself recharging and thinking and I because a lot of people say who are, are extroverts um, say for instance with, with yourself and others who might recharge by actually being mm. a, around groups mm. I'm the opposite I, I love people yeah and I love being in groups but I also find I, I need to recover by being mm. alone after being in those environments it's interesting you say that and a lot of people think I'm an extrovert I'm actually an introvert that behaves that has extrovert uh, characteristics and um, and so uh, I I sort of swing between both mm. I, I love the energy mm. I can get from a room or, yes. or when I speak to an audience, I love that energy, it's fantastic. But gee, I really enjoy mm. being on my own and being quiet. And that's probably how you recharge that That's too. exactly right. Matt, so there's a lot of rituals that are going on and one of them being is recharging, being on my own. I know you're a huge family man. Mm. Um, your yeah, wife Rebel's a beautiful woman. Yes. Kids are gorgeous, William and Emily. Emily, yeah, Emily or Emily? Emily. Emily. So let's just, uh, make sure that we got Emily right the first time. Let's pretend that we did. No, she's a gorgeous <laughs> young girl. The kids are about eight and six. Yeah, around yeah that. Nine, nine and seven, grade well, there four, we go. grade I'm four still, and grade two. I'm still in last year. Time's flying by. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what about time with them? How, how do you go spending time with your family? Yeah, you know what? It's, a, it's, the, most, it's the most important time during the week and, and getting back to structure and scheduling um, not that we schedule time together, but it's really dedicated. Weekends are, are all about family. Weekends yeah. are all about, in particular, time time with my kids. Yeah. So, and my wife and I have a good arrangement. Uh, I'm not going to go there, so to speak. But look, she she loves golf. Um, my my wife, so she actually plays golf 
every Saturday and, and every Sunday. Yeah. Some would say she's addicted, Jace. Yeah. But it's good to see all the time she's putting into it. She's actually getting pretty good. Well, it's so interesting. Didn't not you, going to, it's didn't not going you, to waste. Didn't you introduce her to the sport of golf? I did a decade ago. And now she's a way better golfer than you. She's actually the golfer in the family. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> but you know what? It works yeah. because she's off playing, playing golf. Um, and, and gets up early on, on a Saturday and, and Sunday and, and I get to hang out with my kids. Mm. So I take my kids to, to karate on a Sunday at the moment. They do swimming um, also, but then we go off to the zoo or, or we go off to the aquarium mm. or, or go off and do an activity. And, and ever since Emily was young, mm. she's now nine, but, but ever since she was about six months old, you know, Saturday was, was, was me and the kids and now it's Saturday and Sunday with the kids and then William came along. Mm. So we have that dedicated time together. Yeah. That and you know what, we'll never get that back. Yeah. So so pretty much Saturday and Sunday I, I actually carve out to be with them and, and then when my wife gets home from golf at, at three PM. Yeah. And you rub her feet we, for it. <laughs> of course. No, no, we, we cross over. Yeah. Oh, okay, tag. Yeah, we tag. Yeah. So my wife and my wife hangs out with the kids and, and then we tag and I have that three or four hours to do my own thing. Yeah. Whether it be exercise or, or, or read or learn or, or catch up with friends and and just recharge. So we've got a good arrangement. Yeah. But it, it's really we've got that structure that we know who's doing what when, and I know that this time on, on the weekend, yeah, it's all about the kids. You and, know, and that's not negotiable. Yeah. You 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 you're a person that I, uh, as I've mentioned already, I admire and I look up to, and uh, I think there's a lot of learning that comes from you. One of your greatest traits is your ability to show others respect, and uh, and you have the utmost respect for your wife and. And she does for you and the love that she shows for you, which I'll talk about a little bit later on. I don't want to get too soppy, too early mm. doors. I want to jump around all over the place. Sure. Um, where am I going to invest my money, big boy? <laughs> no, <laughs> look, a lot of people have been waiting to hear that from you. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so I know that uh, there's various different rules and regulations around providing specific and only general advice and all of that course. sort of stuff and disclaimers yeah. all over the place. Yes. And Chev will put a disclaimer everywhere and you don't need to get yeah. nervous and I don't need the compliance manager to ring me. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. what I, You and I share a few things in common. Number yeah. one, we are both boys. Mm. Tick. Mm. Number two, we are both partners of this firm. Tick. Yes. Number three, we are both financial advisors. Tick. <laughs> one of us is not allowed to give advice and that's not you. Right? Uh, number four is we're both authors and I want to yes. talk about your book uh, a little bit later on. Some would say that the foreword to that book is arguably one of the best forwards ever written. Uh, no, I'd agree. But, uh, <laughs> no, but, but seriously, um, what you are is you're a man that's authentic and you will only ever give advice based on your experience, not your opinion. So where, you know, there's a lot of people listening and, and you and I agree that typically for most of us, the more we earn, the more we spend mm. and the best way to get ahead is take money off ourselves. Yes, right? We agree to that yeah. and we, we've built a cash flow calculator together that we share with our, with our clients and we'll say that if you've got a thousand bucks in your wallet, you'll probably spend it. If yeah. there's only 900, you'll only spend 900. Yeah, so give true. me that 100 and let's put it somewhere else and we'll yes. talk about how we structure it. Yes. That's pretty much investment 101, yeah. right? Yeah, the foundations. Uh, the foundations. Cash flow is king. You've got to earn some brass to mm. be able to invest it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, as my, uh, I had a, my meditation teacher on uh, a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, and he said to me, Jason, stress and mindfulness is like making money. And I'm like, what? And here's a guy trying to relate to me. And he said, look, it's like this. Um, it's not so much how much you earn, it's how much you spend. Yes. And he, he spoke about that, about stress yeah. and your energy. And I thought, yeah. Steve, that's really interesting. It's not how much you earn. It's how much you spend. And mm. we've seen clients come in here that earn three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. that can't get by because the more yeah. money they earn, the more they spend. They spend it all and a bit more besides. And you know what studies have shown that eighty one percent of people actually spend everything they earn and 
9% of people actually spend more than they earn through credit cards and, and personal loans. That, that's interesting. And we all love a stat, whether it's true or not, it's another story. But this would be true because it's coming, <laughs> well, it's coming out of the, uh, the lips of Matt Morrison. So tell me that again. 81% of people spend everything that they earn. Wow. And 9% of people spend more than they earn. Oh, because of credit cards and debts yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. That's frightening. And look, that was from a study done by one of the banks four years ago. Yeah. So it may have changed a little bit, but um, yeah, well, I, I think I, I don't think it would have changed too much. Well, let's say it's a, it's about bang on. Yeah. Because uh, the banks are very legitimate <laughs> with a lot of integrity. No, no, <laughs> I, I'm taking the piss. But so about eighty percent of us spend everything that we earn, and yeah. about ten percent ten percent spend more than we earn. Yes. And this is herein lies the inherent danger when we listen to outside noise. Mm. Now, what I mean by that is that typically people uh, they know their friends and family from schools or mm. from the community they live in. And he's making money, he drives a Mercedes and he's got a double story house and he's got a mm. pool, he must be making money. But you and I Not both know, that's right, that 80% of us spend everything that we earn mm. and another 10% could be over yeah. And so when you listen to outside noise, and you taught me this, Matt Morrison, I just, I just came to my mind just then. You said to me, um, Jason, don't necessarily to worry too much about the world economy, worry about your own economy. Did I quote you correctly? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Just focus on your own personal economy Yeah. and make sure what you're doing is right for you and nobody else. Yeah, right. So then what's your, what's the typical stance that you take if a person comes in and wants to have a conversation with you and they want to know where to invest their money or Mm. whatever, what's the process that you go through in how you communicate that to said customer and, and, and providing them with some advice? Well, it's more about understanding the, the actual client, understanding what's important to them, understanding where they're at now, yeah. but ultimately also what they want to achieve longer term. Mm. Um, investments, as you know, are just one piece of, of the overall puzzle. Mm. Um, but it's, it's been, been said actually, Roy Disney, who's Walt's brother, mm. said that when your values are clear to you, decisions become easier. Wow. And the, the same is true with financial decisions. So I'm all about helping clients uh, align their, their financial decisions yeah. with, with their most important goals and their most deeply held mm. values. Mm. So quite often investments are actually a, a part two of the conversation or the, or the second conversation. Yeah. It's more about getting clear for what, 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 do, what do clients actually want to achieve? Why do they want to achieve it? Why is it actually important to them? Mm. What's important about their finances and, and money and their lifestyle mm. to them? Mm-hmm. Then it's really helping clients get as clear as possible on that. Yeah then it really helps make the decisions easier and how to go about a, a achieving those goals and plans over the course of time, whether it be building towards longer term freedom or, or, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But from, a, from an investment point of view, I, I, I've got a certain philosophy from, from that point of view and a whole, there's a whole chapter in my yeah. book around where should you actually invest your money. Yeah. And I, I don't think that anyone should rely on one particular way of doing anything. Why is that? Because what, what if they went down one particular avenue so choose one particular option, whether it be whether it be property, whether it be shares, whether it be um, tip it C- all in CFDs, super. or yeah, whether yeah. it be tip it all in super, or, or or put it all in cash. Yeah. What if they choose one particular option or one particular road, and that one particular option ends up being the worst option of, of all options available? Well, like you look at it, you, you know, you go back ten years and cash was a great return, and now today, yeah, uh, the, the cash rate's point one percent. Yeah. It's nothing, whereas it wasn't too long ago, it was actually 8%. Yeah. And so from that point of view, I, I, and, and generally from, from, from that perspective, I, I think every single client should really focus on, say, having a, a good amount in, in property, but also a good amount in, in the share market, that they're actually taking money off themselves mm. and paying themselves first. 
and some sort of a, a regular investment into the, the broader share market. Um, but also to, to focus on, on superannuation as, as part of an overall financial strategy. Yeah. But you and I both know the rules will keep changing. So yeah, don't no, yeah. no one should just focus on that. Yeah. Um, um, but it's also look at look at other things like, like cash and a buffer and expecting setbacks. Yeah. And once again, be prepared for them when, when they do come along. Let me let me talk about expecting setbacks, Matthew. And I'm just going to bounce around all over the place. Sure. Just to keep myself entertained and, <laughs> and the number of different personalities that I'm having conversations with right now. Uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, your ability to deal with adversity is one of your greatest strengths, if you ask me. But the problem with someone like you is you've got so many fucking strengths, it's hard to you know, keep them all in one, one basket. But the period that was uh, COVID, lockdown, corona, um, mm. a lot of people did it real tough. Mm. A lot of people did it tough yeah. because they're in a relationship that, that they were struggling with at home and, and that forced that relationship upon them and, and you know, things popped out the other side. Mm. A lot of people couldn't deal with the ambiguity about where I'm working and all that sort of stuff. A lot of people couldn't deal with change. And one of the things that you're consistent with is that you wake up every morning at five o'clock and you exercise and you're all about recharging your batteries. And you go off and you, you recharge your batteries on a Saturday and you go for a, a, a mountain bike ride. Mm. You come off your bike, you slid down a hill, go head first into a pylon and you fracture your neck. Yeah. And uh, you, knock your, you get knocked out, passes by calling the paramedics, they send you off to the Alfred, you're on your back for 10 days yeah. in a hospital bed, yeah. not knowing if you're ever going to walk again. Yeah. When in the middle of COVID, your family can't come into the hospital to see you, you're yeah. lying on your bed, on the bed, on your back for nine or 10 days, you've got an amazing, it was a great looking head brace, a halo. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you had a fucking halo beforehand, which, but it, this is a... It scared a lot of kids at the park walking yeah, around Mitchell, I tell yeah. you what. <laughs> you had that screwed into your skull. <laughs> and, um, and I mean, I remember I had a, a phone call on the Sunday morning um, from a number I didn't have in my phone and, and, and they left a voicemail and I listened to it and it was Rebel, your wife. Mm. Yes. And I shit myself and I rang her and, um, and mate... You, you were meant to have that neck brace on for 12 weeks. I think it ended up being 17 or 18 weeks. Yeah, it was 14. 14, 14 weeks. Yeah, look, I don't mind adding a little bit of mayonnaise <laughs> onto the story. So you had the neck brace on for seven years. No, no, so 14 weeks you had it on for. Uh, that would have felt like an eternity. Mm. Um, you know, Obviously screwed into my head, physically screwed into my head. Yeah, Frankenstein sort of behaviour bolts Pretty in Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, not, one would argue it's not that easy to slip a T-shirt over a halo. Uh, <laughs> it's impossible, actually. Yeah. So you've got all those oversized fractured tops. Every time I spoke to you, Matt, whether it was a director's meeting on, on a Zoom or a, on a team's meeting or just had conversations, you're upbeat and positive. You know, you, you nearly, you, you could have lost your life. You could have mm. died. Mm. And I, I spoke to, you know, Dan McPherson, a few of our clients who mates mm. are cyclists. Dan McPherson told me when he found out he was shattered. Yeah. And he said that he had mates that had died. Yeah. So you could have died. Yeah. You could have ended up being a quad or a paraplegic. Yeah. You couldn't see your family for nine or 10 days. One of the most scariest times of your life where you, you have no idea. There's no certainty. Yet you remain upbeat and positive. How, can, mm. how did you manage to do that? Mm. And is there anything that you can share with me mm. and our listeners as to what to do in situations like that? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to, happy to take you through it and 
there, there's no doubt about it that that, that first week, in particular the, the first four days, where, mm. where everything was completely and utterly uncertain. As you, as you mm. know, as, as you say, I really didn't know whether or not there was going to be any, any permanent spinal damage. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those moments where you know, we, we've all kind of been through to a certain extent where that, that moment where everything you've been working hard for it feels like it's been ripped out from under you yeah, and, nice. and life changed basically overnight or had the potential to, to actually change mm. o- overnight from, from that point of view. And you would have had thoughts about being in a wheelchair, surely, and all that sort of stuff. A- a- absolutely. A- absolutely. I thought life was never going to be the same ever again from, from, that, from that point on. And as you know, it's just one of those freak accidents. I wasn't doing anything too or risky. It was a family-friendly bike track. It was just one of those things mm. that happened. Um, and yeah, lying on my back in, in the Alfred Hospital for, for three or four days until there was uh, a clear outcome in, in regard from the, the MRI and, and CT scans and, and those types of things. And from, from, that, from that time, um, you know, there, was, there was plenty of tears, let me tell you. And I yeah. think we were, you and I were on the phone, I was on the phone to another colleague and I don't mind saying I, I was in tears because yeah. um, I, I really wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen and what the future hold. But I, I still vividly remember it was, a, it was a Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday um, evening after the accident happened on the, on the Saturday and the, and the doctors came in and said, good news, there, there's no spinal damage, there, you've clearly fractured your, your, your C7 vertebrae, mm. which is the, the base of the neck, and it, and it was bad. Yeah, right. And you know, they, they weren't really telling me the, the full story, yeah. I think they were keeping it from me, but yeah. from that moment onwards, I, I was incredibly grateful and, uh, and appreciative that, you know what, I've, I've been given another chance. I've been given another chance to walk. Yeah. I, I've been given another chance to, to live as, as, as normal. And so from that point on, I, I knew there was gonna be a, a really long journey. And yeah. I've only just come out of it now. You know, yeah. that was five months ago, nearly yeah. six months ago, but yeah. I've only really just got to the point where I feel, you know what, I'm pretty much 100% now, yeah. but it was a, a four or, or a five month journey. Yeah. Um, but one thing from, from that point of view, getting back to, I think on paper, I, I do a lot of writing. Uh, as soon as I, I got out of hospital, I, I sat down and I, I just captured all my, my thoughts at that moment on paper. And the, there's five, getting back to your question, five key questions were just burning in, in my head. Um, and first, first and foremost, question one, what's the reality? And I, I think too often, Sometimes we get overly negative or even overly positive mm. uh, about the situation. So I wrote down, you know, what, what's the reality? What's mm. the, the actual reality of the situation? What was the answer to that? The, the reality is, you know what, I'm, I'm badly injured and it's going to be a, a long road back and I'm, I'm, it's, it's going to be a, a, a lot of blood, sweat and tears to, to actually recover. It's going to be a, a, a lot of frustrations over, over the time. But you know what? I will recover. I, I will recover 100%. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. And there's no spinal damage. There's no there's no permanent damage, so that's the reality. It's bad. I'm injured, but I'm going to get 100% mm. better. And and question number two was, what can I be grateful for? Yeah, wow. And and that that actually kept me going during during the bad times. You know what? I'm I'm grateful that I'm given another chance, and it, it could have been so much worse. But question number three is, what meaning can I find? What's the meaning in this? Mm. And it kind of comes back to a few of the things we were talking about before. The meaning is, you know, health and well-being, mental and physical, is just absolutely critical, and that needs to be a number one priority. And question number four, getting back to say, what all people have, have been through over the last twelve months is, what are you actually going to do about it? Yeah, right. 
And so when I was when I was writing that, I was thinking one of one of my uh, one of my my mentors over time was a guy by the name of W. Mitchell, and he, he wrote a book. His first called, name's W. His first name's W. I don't think he liked first name, so he just went by W. <laughs> Mitchell. Um, but if, if for any listeners, buy buy his book, grab his book online. It's called The Man Who Who Would Not Be Defeated, and yeah. I won't even go into his journey, but it's an incredible yeah. journey. Yeah, and it's all about doesn't matter what happens to you. It's what you do about it yeah. that makes the difference. Yeah, right. And I thought, okay, what am, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. And but but also question number five is what support do I need or what support do we need? Because yeah. no one should be go through challenges all, all yeah. on their own. Yeah. And having my wife and, and family and, and you and the other partners and just broadly all, all yeah. colleagues really step in and rally around oh, me. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I got to say, Matt, you know, I... I Sometimes tongue in cheek say that you're this country, arguably this country's greatest advisor. I actually genuinely mean that. I, I, I genuinely mean Thanks, that. Thanks, Jason. It's very subjective though. It's almost impossible to measure, but I, I do appreciate <laughs> yeah. the sentiment. But anyway, I've said it and it's on a podcast. So <laughs> it must real. be true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, one of the gifts, and thank you for sharing that, Matt. Oh, I haven't gone into that much detail about your accident and, and, and those five uh, things that you wrote down. I mean, I, you know, Rebel, your relationship with Rebel, I reckon she's just a real champion chick. Cheers. Champion yeah. chick. Uh, champion. Your kids are gorgeous. I remember at your book launch, your kids, uh, you know, daughter's such a, a cute little gorgeous looking girl mm. and, and young Will is a, a handsome, intelligent mm. young man and I can mm. see the man that he's going to grow into. You know, mm. he's, he's packed full of potential, this young boy, and he just doesn't realise what he's got. Thank you. But it's, it's going to come, right? And, um, and your folks, Nick, you see, I, I argue that um, we are a product of our family of origin. Yeah, and then, very much. And then from that, you've morphed into your own family of creation. And you've got, you got, you know, you got a blended, the master race here yes. of kids, yeah. you know, which is, which is awesome. But another huge thing that happened was uh, the impact on our team. Mm. Uh, and um, every single person in our organisation um, was really genuinely concerned about you. And... You're such a strong leader in our business, but when the leader was forced from, you as a forced absenteeism for mm. you, there's some people mm. that genuinely stood up. Yeah, it genuinely was. stood yeah. up. And um, you know, one of our lead advisors, Scotty Pantlin, yeah. really, really stepped up. He, uh, he sure did. And and he he, it, you had a sore neck and you were lying on your back for a while, but <laughs> shit, that did a lot for him. Yeah, yeah. And and he's yeah. really, you know, he's been through his challenges like we all have. Yes. All right? uh, yeah. But he's come out the other side as a is a better advisor for it. Ironically, as that sounds, I'm not in a hurry because the universe is doing her very best to stop you from walking. Right? <laughs> you're going a car accident when you're in London. You're falling off your push bike. Seriously, man, I'm going to wrap you in a freaking bubble, right? Well, I've retired from bike riding. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. Yes, let's not bungee jump, skydive, no. or any of that sort of crazy behaviour. Um, so, for the bike who works harder than any man that I know. Um, Sleeps less than most people. Drinks more coffee than another. <laughs> so you just so although no more after midday, thanks to Donna Aston. Yeah, but but, <laughs> but before listening to Donna Aston, I mean, I, I want you to, I, I want everyone to think about this. So the guy is, fractured, is practically broken his neck, lying in bed for a week and a bit, not knowing what's going to happen. Wears a halo, a full-on screwed into his head for fourteen weeks. Listens to Donna Aston podcast. Mm. Does the Aston RX diet drops seven kilos? 
seven kilo when you're allowed to feel sorry for yourself and eat donuts tomorrow um you're smacking down kale for breakfast getting in better shape than you were before the accident i mean what the you're an enigma I, 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 you're such a gift to mankind well i, I knew i needed to do that because I, I i knew that I, if i didn't look after physical well-being you know mental well-being could could really spiral during those times of adversity so i i, I focused more than ever yeah on, on making sure I did those things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, um, as we finish up, I, 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 it would be remiss of me not to touch on the fact that you've written your own book. Yeah. And the perfection that you, perfectionist that you are, I'm very confident that you would have rewritten that a good dozen times. Um, it took you quite some time and, and every single word, every syllable, every punctuation mark is spot on. Um, what gave you the impetus to write a book, um, tell us about it. How do I get mm. a copy of it? I, yeah. I know I, how I get a copy of it. I've already <laughs> got a few. Office. Yeah, and I'm walking to your office. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but tell, tell us about the book and, and, and how I get a copy of it and stuff. Yeah, of course. Look, the, the book is called Freedom, Lifestyle and Legacy. And five years ago now, I, I set myself a, a goal to, to write a book. And as, as you know, I've, I've told you previously that I set myself a 12-month goal to, mm. to write and publish a book. I thought, you know what, how hard could it be? 12 <laughs> months is heaps of time. Yeah. But it was a three-and-a-half-year journey. Yeah. And I, I gradually chipped it away, writing one blog at a time, and, and mm. gradually uh, that blog became a, a book from, from that perspective. But also, I wanted it to be part of my purpose. Yeah. And, and, and part of my, my personal purpose, at least professionally, is to, is to very much help as many people as possible create freedom and exceptional lifestyles while also building a legacy of generational wealth. And you know what? The only way we can do that is, is actually put all of our ideas down on paper, whether it be book, whether it be videos or, or whatever it might be. I'd also you know, learn from you. You're definitely one of my mentors. Oh, thanks, man. And, and you had written two books mm. at, at that time. You'd written one and you're, you're partway through your, your second mm. one. I thought, I want to do what you, you have done mm-hmm. um, and, and at least have that as legacy. And, and also for my kids to see, you know, Dad wrote a book. Yeah. But, but it's also capture all your ideas down on paper. Um, and it was, it was very much a, a wonderful journey and I, I self-published it. Mm-hmm. So I was involved every step of the way. Yeah, as true Matt Morrison style. <laughs> even even down down to the cover, you know what we yeah. we, we ran a, a worldwide competition. I was on, part on of that comp- design, <laughs> and uh, you know worked with the designers on, on developing the, the cover, and, and it's it's something I'm enormously proud of. Yeah. And I figured, um, unlike you writing two books, you know what? I'm only ever going to write one. <laughs> I'm not fucking and, doing this again. <laughs> and if we're going to do it. I'm going to do it properly. Yeah. And I'm enormously proud of that. But but what what I'm most proud of is is hearing from back from people who have read it. Just the yeah. other day. Um, a, a new client reached out from, from Darwin. Mm. Uh, had no other clients in Darwin up, up until now that reached mm. out from Darwin that actually saw the book. It was the, it was the Money Magazine oh, book, yeah. book of the month in, in April last yeah. year, just yeah. as the COVID storm was starting yeah. to hit. And she picked up the book and, and read it and, and now has actually reached out for advice from, from that perspective. Mm. So it's wonderful here the, the, the value that clients mm. are actually, not even clients, but readers are actually getting from that. Yeah, it's good And I, I didn't write it to as advertising our business or whatever mm. it might be, I wrote it to give readers a, a blueprint to be able to do it all themselves and not necessarily rely on others. I, I, and I think that's the most important uh, aspect of it. Mm. Uh, sure, it's a bit of a legacy thing and show our kids and it's part of your purpose, but uh, the greater benefit is that not everybody can afford your advice. Mm. Uh, not everybody's in a position 
to warrant or justify spending uh, the money to get the value that you provide. And you're giving people, those people, the opportunity to get some financial advice that's available to everyone. Yes. Matt, um, I'm going to have to leave it there, uh, if that's okay with you. I don't want too much of the attention or spotlight to go on you. <laughs> I want it just to come back here for a little bit. Now, I'm going to leave it there, Matt. I, I will say this uh, from the bottom of my heart. You're the, one of the most genuine people that I know. Uh, and um, Thank you, Jase. It's, I'm, I'm very grateful to be in your company and to be in business with you. And, and, and likewise, you're. Yeah, thanks, mate. A lot of us look up to you, and um, I really think that you are a natural-born leader. And, and I hope and I'm positive that a lot of people listening to this podcast will get um, more out of this than they thought they would. And um, so, Matt Morrison, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me.